Our next reading from God's Word is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through to 17. And that's on page 1235 of most versions of the Pew Bible. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Praise be to God for his word. Thank you, Russell, for reading uh, God's word for us this morning. Let's, uh, friends, let's join our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. So I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will uh, do his work freely amongst us, Lord. I pray, Father, that you forgive me for my own sins. I just want to commit this time to you and pray that you'll bless our time as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. clip as well. Now, how many of you have heard that song? Yes. When you're driving your car, you hear this song, you go happy, happy all the time, right? You whistle, you get into a good mood when you hear this happy song. It's number one, I understand, in the world. It's certainly number one here in Australia, I believe. Right? Uh, music. All right. I mean, I saw your faces this morning when that was playing and thinking, Chris, what is going on here? This is, this is a Presbyterian church. I'll be in big trouble, so don't tell anybody about it outside of this place, not to the presbytery anyway. Well, friends, happy. Yeah, that's a song, right? It's a popular song. It's, uh, I, I kind of love the tune. You can do your moves and everything. It's, it's great. Music. Don't we love music? Do you love singing? Do you sing in the car? Just be honest. Do you sing in the car? Yeah, I see a few hands going up there. It's true. Do you sing in the kitchen? Oh, I see some ladies saying, yes, you sing in the kitchen, some guys as well. Or perhaps, perhaps, I mean, to avoid embarrassment and other people around you, perhaps you enjoy singing in the shower. You get in there and you just sing away. Let no one hears your singing talent and perhaps it's the safest place for you to sing. 
Well, the footy season has begun and the faithful fans will very soon gather at wherever the stadium is and they will sing their favorite club song. I hope it will be the Cats this time. Well, music. Music has the power to communicate to our very inner being. You know, there are kids today, we heard from, uh, from Trish this morning, her vision to get a bus and fill that bus with kids and bring them to church. I mean, that's great. I'm, I'm excited about that. What a prospect that would be. Children today, they don't come to church. They aren't hearing God's words. But I tell you what, if you go to a footy match, what do you see children doing there when the matches, their team has won? They know the footy song. They know it very well. And they're singing out there. You see music, singing. It's such powerful things, isn't it? And music has the power to change our moods. For example, when that happy one is there, you're happy. Right? Uh, when it's kind of a sad song, it, it kind of changes our moods. Music has the power to inspire. It has the power to teach. It has the power to admonish. I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, love music. Perhaps you listen to gospel music. Maybe you listen to 89.9 Light FM radio. I'm sure you do. For myself, I love listening to uh, Smooth FM 91.5. Now, I don't get paid for promoting this here. I don't get <laughs> I don't get any free tickets to concerts. Sometimes I'm tempted to call them and get a free ticket. But that's my kind of genre. They're music. I love the, you know, that kind of stuff. So, anyway, singing. And I listen to 89.9 as well. You have both sides of music. So, singing and music is very much part of the Christian church. It's very much part, music is part of our culture. It's a massive industry. Right? And it will do well for us to understand what kind of music people are listening to. What kind of music is outside there. You see people today, in, when they're walking, they've got their... Uh, the headphones there, and they're, they're listening to all kinds of stuff with their iPods and, and their phones. It's music. It's a big thing. And there are many reasons why we sing. We sing as Christians. Why do we sing? Why do we have a music group here, musicians? Why do we actually sing? We have an organist who, who helps us every Sunday. Why do we sing? We will ask the question. I mean, what other community comes every Sunday... And sings together. We do it, don't we? Why? Because we want to praise God as, as His people. We want to give thanks to Him for who He is. Uh, in singing, we are able to express our deep emotions. We are able to express joy. We are able to express our sorrows to God. We are able to express those inner things that we cannot perhaps put out otherwise, but we can Sing it out to God. In singing, we're able to pour out, for example, our confession of sin to God. And in our text this morning, which is Colossians chapter 3, 16 and 17, we are called to give thanks and to sing. Called to give thanks and sing. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So today, I want to conclude our mini-series on this topic of godliness and its implications for practical living. 
And in this mini-series, we have noted thus far that the practice of godliness requires effort and discipline. It requires training in godliness. It requires a deliberate and focused desire to work out in the spiritual gym. Now, on two occasions, people have asked me, how are you going in your spiritual gym? And I'd say, what's fantastic. You know, people are asking me. Sometimes it's a struggle. Other times it's going all right. But the fact is that we are all in this spiritual gym of training, in the gymnasium. And as part of this series, among the other texts that we looked at, 1 Timothy, we have worked our way through chapter 3 of Colossians. And in our study of Colossians chapter 3, we have noted that godliness flows from our union with Christ. Colossians chapter 3, 1 to 4, and its outworking in practical Christian living. And so let me give you a quick recap of some of the things we have noted so far in our study of Colossians chapter 3. Well, friends, we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, and we are united to Christ. God's, by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and this is because of the atoning death of Christ alone. In Christ, we are a new creation. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We are safe and secure in Christ for eternity. Our lives are hidden with Christ. Safe and secure. We need to remind ourselves of this. Just this past week, I had a phone call from an older person. Uh, This person lives by himself. The person said to me, I had to do a very hard thing this past week. It was a very emotional thing for me to do, and it really troubled me. I said to the person, what was it? And this man said to me, Chris, I went and purchased a grave for me. I went and purchased a grave for me. He lives by himself. A very sad thing he said for me on the phone. And I carried on that conversation. But this man is a Christian man. And he said to me, I, am, I know where I'm going, Chris. But I need to settle this thing soon. And I'm paying the final amount this week. Would you pray for me? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. And you've got to think about it to go and buy the grave for yourself. You see, we are reminded, friends, that we are safe and secure in Jesus. What is His becomes ours, for God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Never forget this. We are immensely blessed in Christ, are we not? We are immensely blessed in Christ. No matter what our circumstance in life might be, we are blessed in Christ. And due to our union with Christ, therefore, we are to live our lives in response to what Christ has done. And so we have seen that we are to put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And uh, there are five things that we saw. Let me go through this very quickly. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust. Evil evil desires covetousness, uh, which is idolatry. You used to walk in these ways, Paul said, 
uh, in the life you once lived, and now he says, do something else. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, and here there are six things uh, that we've seen already. Anger, rage, malice, slander, obscene or abusive language, and lying. We have to we see this, the use of the clothing metaphor here. It's taking off one garment and putting on another. And then last time we also saw from Colossians chapter 3 verses 11 to 14 that we are one new humanity in Christ. Christ is all and in all. Everyone who trusts Christ as Savior is indwelled by, by him through the power of the Holy Spirit and therefore we are one body in Christ. There is no social, racial, ethnic, religious and cultural classes in the body of Christ. Christ is all and in all. And so here at St. Stephen's, we have now 23 different nationalities. Not the 16 that I originally told you. It's gone up. 23 different nationalities in this congregation. And we are one body in Christ. What a blessing that is. We heard the testimony from Yani this morning. What did she tell us? She said she, this is a picture of what heaven might be like. Because we have people from all nations worshipping this great and wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we also saw that as God's people, chosen, holy and dearly loved, we ought to do other things as well. We ought to clothe ourselves with five things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and also to bear with one another and then put on love which binds everything. And then last Sunday, we looked at this one, this text, just one verse, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, uh, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. And now I want to look at Colossians 3, 16 and 17, which is our text here for this morning. Paul says to the Colossian church, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now this, this phrase, the word of Christ, appears only here in the New Testament. And so what is meant by this phrase, word of Christ. Now, some see it only as a reference to the saints of Christ. Others see it as a Christological hymn in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. And there are others who see it as a reference to Scripture as a whole, the word of God. But is there another meaning to this phrase, word of Christ? What does it mean and how does it fit in within the context here of Colossians chapter 3? I think, friends, my understanding of this is that the context is very helpful in shedding light as to how we understand this phrase, word of Christ, in our text here this morning. And I don't want us to miss it. I believe that we have a clue for our understanding of this phrase, word of Christ, from Colossians chapter 1 and verse 5. Let me read that. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among us. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Notice the phrase, word of truth, the gospel. And therefore, my understanding is that the word that, that this phrase, word of Christ here, as a particular reference to the gospel. 
It is the gospel message of what God has done in Christ for the Colossians. And so in effect, Paul is saying, let the word of Christ, that is, let the gospel richly dwell in you. Let the gospel richly dwell in you. Why? Because again in chapter 1 and verse 6, we have these words, which has come to you as indeed the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, and it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. The word of Christ, then my understanding here in this context, is a reference to the gospel. Now what does this familiar word gospel mean? In the Greek New Testament, the word essentially means good news. It's good news. The word is not unique to the Christian message, as it was also used in the pagan world to refer to a good announcement. But in the New Testament, its usage refers to the good news of Jesus, our Savior. And a closer look at the ways in which gospel is used in the New Testament will give us a better idea as well. Let me just highlight simply three aspects of it this morning. One, we often find the phrase, the gospel of God. This phrase stresses the source of the gospel. It is a gift from God. The gospel is of divine origin and not of human origin. It is from God. Secondly, the character of the gospel is specified in several ways. The gospel is true. Colossians uh, Chapter 1, verse 5. The gospel is identified as the word of truth. The gospel is gracious. The gospel is glorious. The gospel is personal. The gospel is tied up in Jesus. The gospel is powerful. This is the word of Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. The gospel is good news that God sent his son into this world. And Jesus took upon himself the wrath of God for my sin and yours. What a blessing is that. What a blessing is that. What a joy there is for you. If you are a Christian here this morning. To know that your sins have been nailed to the cross. Once and for all. And so Paul says. Let the word of Christ. Let the gospel dwell in you. That word dwell is quite interesting. It means to, to live or to take up residence. Its root word comes from the word house. I mean, there are Greek students here. You, you know that, New Testament students. Quite a few now here. It's quite scary stuff, you know, being up here and using these phrases because we've got people who know their Greek quite well here. But anyway, this word uh, comes from the phrase house. Yeah? And in, in a sense, it's, it's a dwelling. Uh, one writer says, let it be at home in you. Another writer speaks of it in terms of to feel at home. You see, home is where we can be ourselves, can't we? Home is, there's no place like home. Right? And, and Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell, let the word of truth, the gospel, be at home in you. <laughs> let, it, let it dwell in you. Uh, Don, Don Carson says this, uh, he says this about Paul, Paul cannot, um, he says this, he, he cannot long to talk about Christian joy or Christian ethics or Christian fellowship or Christian doctrine of God or anything else without finally tying it to the cross. Paul is gospel-centered, he is cross-centered, 
That is more than a creedal commitment. It sets out Paul's priorities, his lifestyle. And so when a church is gospel-centered, it begins to shape its ministry and its formation of ministry on the cross. And if we lose it, we've lost it, haven't we? We've lost the gospel. You see, you come here to church and you're seated here and you're patiently waiting and thinking, how long is Christ going to go on here? My time is moving on. We are coming and preaching the word here because we love the gospel. And I trust that as we preach and as we teach this word, it will go deep into our hearts and we rejoice in what Christ has done. That's what we see here. Let it dwell in you richly. Uh, Martin Luther said this, When I am converted by the gospel, the Holy Spirit is present. He takes me as clay and makes of me a new creature, which is endowed with a different mind, heart and thoughts. That is, with a true knowledge of God and a sincere trust in His grace. To summarize, the very essence of my heart is renewed and changed. My holiness, righteousness and purity do not stem from me, nor do they depend on me. They come solely from Christ and are based only in Him in whom I am rooted by faith, just as the sap flows from the stalk into the branches. So Paul says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. The church should never lose focus on it. Our ministries must stem from the gospel of Christ. We need to pray that here at St. Stephen's, that we will always let the word of Christ richly dwell in us individually and collectively as a body of Christ. So the word of Christ is the gospel in the immediate context. But in the broader sense of the word, it is all comprehensive as well. That is the whole of God's special revelation. The Bible, the word of God, is in that sense the word of Christ. But its specific meaning here, I believe, is also the gospel. And then Paul says something else, isn't it? As we do this, that is, let the word of Christ richly dwell in us, it will manifest itself in teaching and admonishing in all wisdom and in singing with thankfulness. It is the church gathered. And within this context of the church gathered, as the word of Christ richly dwells in our hearts, there is teaching, there is admonishing in all wisdom, and there is singing with all thankfulness. Now, God's people sang the Old Testament. We see that. What did Moses do when he uh, came out of Egypt? I mean, when he defeated the Egyptians. Exodus chapter 15, what did he do? He came out with... That's all. Moses sang, right? He led the people. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. See, God's people sang passionately. We sing. We sing to our kids, don't we? Uh, Some of you I know have Colin Buchanan songs. I still remember those songs that... uh, You know what I... Right? Uh, you, you know what I'm saying, right? I, I remember those little cassette players on, and we are playing it in our homes, and the kids are learning it, and I'm learning it, and these things are still in my heart and mind. Because we sing, we, we praise God. And, 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 and Paul is saying here, sing in, with psalms, with hymns, and spiritual songs. 
It is all inclusive. It expresses itself in thankfulness. We sing with thankful hearts. We are engaging our hearts in worship. We are engaging in thanksgiving. Our singing should rise up from humble and thankful hearts to God. There is something about singing which unites the head, the heart, the hands of our lives in perfect symmetry and beauty. Now, this is not the place to do a a study on the theology of music, about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is not the place for that. But I just want to say, whether it's a song, whether it's a hymn, whether it is a psalm, it doesn't matter. Sing it from the heart. If theology is right, sing. Even if you can't make the right note, don't worry for a moment about the person seated next to you. Just sing. Sing it out, friends. Right? Sometimes new songs and, and hymns can be difficult. I understand that. Right? Some of the words can be difficult. Right? They can be, perhaps you don't understand some of those phrases. I had to learn some of those new phrases when I first came to Australia and started learning all of these things as well. But we sing. We sing in our own languages, perhaps. Whatever we do, the, the attitude here is to give thanks in singing. And this note of thanks extends from verse 16 to verse 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly, teaching, admonishing, overflowing, and with all wisdom, and singing with thankfulness. And then in verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Again, Paul says, and he adds that again, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Giving thanks. I touched on that last week. But here it is connected to singing. It's connected to worship. And it's connected to the people of God coming together. And lifting up our hearts and voices. In song to our great God. And then he says, do it all in the name of Christ. The name that is above every other name. We come to the Father only through the Son Jesus. We give thanks to God through Jesus. We have to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. I remember singing a song, a chorus. I don't know whether you know it. One of the choruses that I learned when I first became a Christian. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We have the victory. Right? I, I remember that singing away. And I used to sit in the back of the church and clap my In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. That's it. That's what it is. In the name of Jesus. You know, the most precious name. The most powerful name. The name that is above every other name. That in the name of Jesus Christ, God's people stand strong in Christ. In the name of Jesus, he has conquered death. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has risen from the grave. Jesus is the living and almighty Savior. And I think, friends, at times, we don't depend on the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. And we don't claim that power through faith in Jesus Christ. That it is in the name of Jesus that his church stands strong. We pray in the name of Jesus. We give thanks to God in the name of Jesus. We do things in, not by my name, not by your name, 
Does it mean anything? No. We do it in the name of Jesus. Your families, you bring to God in the name of Jesus. You sing in your home in the name of Jesus. You rejoice in Him in the name of Jesus. That we let the word of Christ richly dwell in our hearts so that we can live by the power of the name of Jesus. What a wonderful thing, isn't it? This is the Savior. This is the King. This is the great God who made the heavens and the earth. Is He not powerful? Is He not powerful? He is. Absolute power is in His hands. All power is in His hands. He doesn't need satellite systems and GPS systems and beacons and everything. He knows everything that happens. The greatest Almighty Savior. I want to ask you this morning. Do you know this Jesus? Is there anyone here today who cannot name Christ as his Savior? Maybe today God is speaking to you and saying, come to me. Commit your life to me. Because I have come for you in the word of Christ. So let me conclude, friends. So keep on singing. With thankfulness in our hearts. Give thanks and sing to God. And in this section, this little three verses here, we see, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Last week we saw that. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Let all be done in the name of Christ. The peace of Christ, the word of Christ, the name of Christ. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are such an amazing God. I pray this morning that the peace of Christ will rule in our hearts. I pray this morning, Lord, that the word of Christ will richly dwell in our hearts. We pray this morning, Lord, that we will do everything in the name of Christ. We pray this morning, Lord, that we will sing with thankfulness to you for all that you are to us. And as this word richly dwells in our hearts, that we will teach and admonish with that word and be encouraged in all wisdom to sing praises to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. My friends, we're going to sing.